Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. It is, I almost said it was Tuesday, Julie, because we usually do the Tuesday show, but it's actually Friday because we had a few things going on this week, so we bumped the Tuesday show to Friday. How are you doing this morning? I'm okay, Leanne. I don't know how it got to be Friday, but here it is. And you know what? I'm really glad I'm talking to you today, Leanne. Okay, good, good. Well, I was working on the International Women of Courage celebration all week. Uh, it was an event that I was on the committee for. Uh, the event went off last night. I'm going to tell you all about that today on the show. Julie, you're going to bring us the Panama Papers. Um, <laughs> I have been digging deep on this, Leanne. This is a story that just keeps on giving. But if you've been a little confused, about the Panama Papers, I'm going to break it down, and we're going to focus in particular on Mr. Putin. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, we also have some entertainment stories, and then, um, of course, the question of the day is, uh, what are we going to do with Outlander? So we'll discuss. We'll discuss that at the end. But you said you had a dedication, Julie. What's I the do, deal? Leanne, I want to dedicate our show today to a satellite sister, uh, Molly, and she's new to our podcast. Um, we, you met her when we were, when we were in Dallas, she came to our book events and I have to say, Leanne, the worst thing in the world happened to her. She what has happened? lost her only child. Oh my God. Her son nine is nine. <sighs> Lloyd was a classmate of my granddaughter, Alice, oh and, my he gosh. and he died very suddenly. And you know, that's, there is nothing worse than to lose a child. Oh there is gosh. not, there is nothing worse and I have to say that the the school and her neighborhood has is just wrapped this family with love and support and prayers and uh and and that's important. But I just I wanna reach out to her today because I you know she is part of our satellite sisterhood. She I remember was, her now exactly yeah, when she, yeah. I remember now that you said that. She was enthusiastic <gasps> about finding out about it. Oh. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I talked to my two grandchildren, Alice and Ben, that both are in school. Alice sat next to Lloyd. Oh my God. And, oh. you know, and they were, what was interesting, I just listened to them because the school, like I think most schools now, they have a protocol or they have a process for you know with for dealing with grief and grief counselors and talking about things but it was i just listened i heard both of my grandchildren talk very specifically about how lloyd died he had a he had a cerebral hemorrhage very rare just you know just so sudden so unexpected but it was as if they're they're you know these young children they needed something very specific to understand the inexplicable, Leanne. The yeah. un, you know, that is just, it is unfathomable to have your child, a nine-year-old, you know, who one minute is running around, loves soccer and all sports and Legos, and the next minute is gone. And it's just, it made me think, I reflected, I thought how difficult it must be in cases 
of violence or car accidents when there's no specific tangible thing to hold on to, you know, mm-hmm. for a young, for a young child to understand how a classmate has died. Um, so, you know, Lee, and we, we have gone through a great deal of grief with the passing of our parents. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a, I think a special kind of grief to lose your child. And, and, you know, we've talked in the past about not knowing what to say or how to say it, but I, you know, I know that you've said that, that, you know, any gesture, you know, a note, a call, an email, you know, stopping to see them, you know, all of these things can help this, this family in this time of great sorrow. And, you know, it's just, I was, you know, just thinking about how much solace, even a simple card um, mm-hmm. provided, That's to, true. provided to me, you know, when the passing of our parents, uh, but a special shout out today to Satellite Sister Molly and to her family. We're, we're thinking of you. Absolutely. Thank you, Julie. Oh, that is, that is sad. There are no words for that. No words for that. Well, yeah. it, it's interesting. You just mentioned sort of the connection and people connecting because I I did work on this event, this International Women of Courage celebration, and absolutely the theme of the night was sisterhood, which was delightful to me because it was just this idea of you know the bonds that women have across you know across the table, across the city, across the country, across the globe. That uh, even though we come to things that different from different points of view, like we have an obligation to sort of support each other and buck each other up and and be sisters. And um, last night we had the opportunity in Los Angeles to have these amazing women from all over the world, women who were lawyers in their home country or immigration officers or, you know, the highest ranking female federal official in Yemen, the world's worst country to live in next to North Korea, you know, a gynecologist who works with victims of, of rape and in Iraq was there, you know, a woman who formed a tea collective in the Sudan. These were the women of courage as designated by the state department. And now they've been in the United States for 10 days and they've been meeting with each other and spent a lot of time with each other. And then they went off and to different parts of the country and they reconnected in Los Angeles. And, um, that, that message of sisterhood of staying together, of supporting each other just kept coming through and through in our presentation. We had a great video from Secretary Condoleezza Rice. She started this program 10 years ago, and she directly addressed the women of courage, and she said, you know, maintain these bonds that you have forged over the next ten, over the last 10 days because they are going to strengthen you as you go forward. Keep in because touch. Because they didn't know each other. No, they no. They didn't know each other before, and, you know, they were just... I mean, do they all speak? I mean, no, they don't all speak English. They all travel with interpreters. No, they, you know, speak Arabic, Thai, Spanish, French. Uh, so, you know, they, but they were able to communicate with their, through their interpreters. And um, you could just see the difference. We saw them in D.C. a couple weeks ago, or 10 days ago. I saw them in D.C. when they had just arrived in the U.S. And, and by the time they got to Los Angeles, they had formed this sisterhood. And that's, Secretary Rice said, you know, keep in touch with each other and go to your home countries and mentor other women and be there for them. And then we had um, one of the women from Tanzania speak, and she was a dynamic speaker. She's a journalist that uncovered the horrible practice in her country of um, 
people with al albinism she called it with albino people in yeah. tanzania are actually murdered and then their body parts are sold because witch doctors tell people that that is good luck so this oh, is like a huge yeah. issue in her home country like oh my gosh. yeah I, I, I it's it it was almost too fantastical to believe like but as a journalist with the bbc world service she had uncovered this it would had always been sort of rumored and underground but uh she did the underground work and she discovered that this in fact is a real practice and it's completely changed the focus of her life and she was you know given death threats by the government and by uh police officers and the witch doctors were still very powerful there you know, long story short, though, she, you know, she's now she she's fights for justice and and human rights in her country. She's become a human rights advocate as opposed to a journalist. But she turned to the other women and she said, my sisters of courage. And I loved that term. I just thought it was great. Like she had bonded with the other women. She's like, we're going to go out there and keep on fighting. And then she challenged all the women in the room, you know. Uh, uh, to find five women to mentor, five girls or women to mentor so you could carry on the message. So the whole evening was just a really fantastic feeling of sisterhood. And even though literally they came from different parts of the world and they're going to go back, some of them to really, really tough conditions. And because uh, a lot of their work is not supported in their home country. No, right. You know, that they're, they're facing a great deal of persecution uh, you know, just to do the things that they're doing. That's what the woman from Tanzania said. She said, I hope you understand in this audience that the United States government and the embassies, your embassies in our country are more supportive of our work than our own home government. So it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you should say that's exactly what she said. And, um, and so there was just a great feeling of sisterhood in the room. She challenged the American women there. She thanked us for our support. And she said, you know, you do what you need to do and we're going to do what we need to do, but let's all do the hard stuff because that's really important. So it was just a fantastic feel good evening of sisterhood. And I, I was so unexpected, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I, I actually produced the event as part of my volunteer, uh, duties. And so it was all scripted out and I had all the lighting cues and I knew who was speaking and this and that, but you never know what they're going to say. I didn't, I didn't have a script from the woman from Tanzania or from the state department. So you don't know how it's all going to fit together, but it was definitely this idea that there are just unbreakable bonds. And we need to respect those and we need to trade on them and we need to stick together. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting, Leanne, that they would, you know, because you think they're women of courage. They're there receiving this great honor. And so you think probably they don't need that much support. But I'm sure they found it this support of sisterhood of other courageous women to be very uplifting for them as well, right? You know what, Julie? They look so happy. I have to say that. I think they did. Like, they looked stunned when we had a capacity audience of 300 people. Way and, to go, Liam. Which is go. pretty incredible because six weeks ago, there was we only got the word it was going to be in Los Angeles like eight weeks ago. And six weeks ago, we had sold no tickets. So <laughs> to have a full house of 300, and these are many people who had... Uh, never heard of the International Women of Courage, didn't know that this was a priority for the State Department, that there was a global office of women's issues. This was a whole new audience for this program and for these women. And so when they got a standing ovation, I, the look on their faces was like shocked that like these people, this whole room of people would stand up for them. It was a, it was genuine joy and they were 
They were lovely to pose for pictures and they shook our hands and gave us hugs on the way out. We are able through this effort to give them grants to continue the work in their home country. And so, which is super satisfying because, you know, some of these women, this, this money will enable them to, you know, buy five cell phones for their organization or a couple of computers. Yeah. Like what does, I mean, what, what is that? And yet it could make sort of, it could be very transformative to their organization or their effort to have, you know, that level of communication. Five right. Phones, right. 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 It, it can make all the difference. And some of them, uh, they, they don't have a banking system in their country. They don't have a bank account. So it's, it's not easy to even yeah. get them the monies. Right. But um, so that's our, the main focus of our effort. But they were genuinely, I think, grateful for the support we had showed. And I, I've already gotten texts from friends. They're fired up. People are like, how can I get in on this? How can I join this organization? I was like, well, we're just small, so we'll, I'll get back to you on that. But yeah. it was really an excellent night uh, just in for the public event, the International Women of Courage celebration. A lot of sisterhood in the room. It was, it was lovely. That's and then cool. a lot of sisterhood on the committee. You know, Julie, I don't do a lot of this kind of work. <laughs> No, I know. In fact, I thought, well, you did a lot of schoolwork. I did a lot of school volunteering. And then that made you bitter and and mean. And you refused to do any more. I mean, I'm being a little harsh. You You are being harsh. You have been a great supporter of school activities and you have chaired all kinds of events and you know, you have like really, you know, done your community service there with uh, with the schools that your sons have attended. There's there's no doubt about it. But no, you have not done a lot of because benefits you know, are galas. Well, right, you know, right. for a lot of times I didn't do it because there was no way I could make meetings. I, I was on the air. I couldn't right, make any right. for some reason. I don't know. All meetings are in the middle of the day. I don't know why 70% of women work, but somehow all the committee meetings are at 10 o'clock in the morning. So, um, so for a lot of years, I just had to sort of do one-off things or things that I could control, uh, the schedule for, because we were on the air and that was a full-time job. And I didn't have the flexibility in my work schedule that other women might have. And I really wasn't drawn to the this was not a gala because that's too broad a word, but this was a big dinner with all that kind of programs and seating charts and, you know, chicken or fish. And I, I just, <laughs> a million details, Leanne. I know. And people want to poo poo it, but it's very hard work. And, and people, ra- and they raise these kind of events, raise enormous amounts of money yeah. to so many good organizations, something that is not done in a lot of other countries. I mean, this, this kind of, you know, uh, philanthropy is, you know, we take it for granted here in the U S but it's rare in other countries. That, and that is true. And the, the sort of the good thing about ours, ours is not, we don't have a ton of pressure to, it's not a fundraiser because we're working with the state department and, but we do have to raise the funds to cover the cost of the event and to get the grants for the women and grants for other micro loans. So we don't have huge fundraising pressure on us, but we still have to care deeply about the seating chart. And here's, I don't care at all about the seating chart. That's what I like. There's so many of the billion decisions. I, like 999 million of them I don't care about. <laughs> so people would say like, what should we get for the gifts? I was like, I don't care. Uh, you know, 
<laughs> just what about the centerpieces? I, I just don't care. But fortunately, on this committee, other people care, and they're really good. good at it. That's good. And this is a fun committee to work on because it is multi-generational. I'm one of the young ones on the committee. So I've really enjoyed getting to know um, just a group of women who are a little bit uh, one generation ahead of me in Pasadena who've done it all and seen it all, and they got it down. And there's one woman on the committee that's just like our mother. She goes, she's the flower lady, and she ties the bows, and she does this, and she goes to the flower market, and she just pulls it all together, and she looked great. And then we have people on the committee. We're only like eight or ten people. It's a small group. The you know the embassy liaison and the the DOS Department of State liaison, like they have different skills. Other people can just jam that Excel Excel spreadsheet for the table listing. I don't know how they do it. The chair is very gracious. She's a Wellesley girl, so she got up there and she just killed it last night on the microphone. <laughs> she was excellent. So it's been really fun, this committee, to work on because it's small and everyone has their little thing. And I was doing media and then the production. And you were like chief cook and pot- bottle washer on the production. But <laughs> did in, in the true Dolan fashion... Well, what did you do for your subcommittee? You enlisted your, your sons, My right? sons. I Which is, so... that's, how, that's how we learned how to do committee work, right. is that we were enlisted by our parents to help on all kinds of uh, committees that my mother and father served on, right? That's right. I hadn't really thought about that, but it is just easiest to give birth to your own subcommittee. That's the way to go. <laughs> so I had, I just kept saying, thank goodness my son is a film and art photo- and photography student because... Brooks and I put together the videos. Colin helped pull photos. Colin was there during the whole production last night. He ended up being the lighting director. <laughs> he just stood at one end of the room and turned the lights up and turned the lights down and up and down when we had the videos. and All uh, very important. It makes for a very slu- smooth show, Lynn, if does. someone's doing that. Rather than, could someone please turn the lights up yeah. now? Wait, no, can we this, turn the lights down? We, you had none of that. So no, that's we had none of that. I, I have to tell you, the AV guy at the at the venue, the Jonathan Club downtown, he was like, wow, look at this. Because I had a real script. Because this is what I actually used to do in my job. My first jobs out of college were producing these big live events where we had videos and speakers and dancers and stuff. So I had to sort of go back to my roots, my work roots for that. And he was like, well, you have cues and different colors and this and that. And, but you know, it's all new for me. So I had to create a PowerPoint, Julie. And I know that's like the easiest program in the world, but I am, I have no graphic design skills whatsoever. So I had a graphic designer, Emily, who does the website. She did most of the design work. We had to create slides of all the women and their country and their flag and stuff. And I wanted it to look good. I had to create a single slide and it took me like four hours. (laughs) And then it looked terrible. It looked looked terrible. terrible. Oh, it looked terrible. (laughs) Yep. It was the weakest visual moment of the entire show. So, um... But just in general, it was very satisfying. Now I can go back to my regular scheduled life, but, you know, I joined up because I felt like I'm interested in women's global issues and I would like to have a little more hands-on experience. It was something we talked about for 15 years on Satellite Sisters, but it's super satisfying to be able to hand these women these grants and go, okay, good luck, good luck with your work. And I do find that I stay in touch. So last year was my first year doing this and I... I'm Facebook friends with a lot of the women and I stay connected with them and message them and I pay more attention to stories in the news about their countries or what might be happening now. I just feel more engaged in, in work events, but ultimately it's just a sisterhood. You know, it's 
it's the same stuff. They're trying to do the same stuff there that it's hard work what they do. And, but people here are doing hard work too. So really, really uh, fantastic experience. So I'm happy, happy I did it. Thank you for the support. Everyone in the Satellite Sisterhood, if you've been interested or you've clicked through on something or you have taken a look at any of the photos, I really appreciate it because these women have amazing stories to tell. And I'm happy to, happy to just voice, voice some of their stories for them. Well, Leon, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I know that I've enjoyed it, and I think I think the Satellite Sisterhood has as well. So, but uh, keeping on the international theme, Leon, I um, I wanted to bring you up to date on the Panama Papers. Uh, have you have have you been enjoying this story? <laughs> you know, this is the kind of story that my son Colin loves because it's all it's a total like made for Reddit kind of story. <laughs> I don't know yes. all those subversive. Uh, websites that he looks for. So yeah. he's been reporting in on like Lionel Messi in the Panama Papers. Yes, like, yes. Some updates. Well, first of all, the name is just excellent. The Panama Papers. It is good. I mean, it sounds like it could be a mini series. It was a good spy novel, <laughs> an excellent movie. So they just right out the right off the bat. You know, I was I was in as soon as I heard about the Panama Papers. I think in many ways much more stronger as a title than WikiLeaks. Yeah. But essentially right. this is this right. is a similar document dump that uh, 11.5 million documents um, were, you know, from a Panamanian law firm that sets up these shell companies to shield ownership for a worldwide cast of political leaders and their cronies was dumped out onto the internet by an organization, the International uh, uh, Consortium of Journalists. Uh, and so they have put this all out there, Leon. And it is some of it is like a rogues gallery of people. It is. Setting that up is things. true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But others, are, you know, like others, like a soccer star, like Lionel Messi caught in this as well. The This week alone, the Iceland's prime minister had to resign because he had invested, he had shares in companies that were set up in these shell companies by this law firm in Panama. David Cameron, uh, prime minister of Great Britain, had to spend a great deal of time this week explaining the sale of shares in a Panamanian trust set up by his father, that David Cameron and his wife sold approximately $40,000 or $50,000 worth of shares of this company that was set up. It's a shell company set up in Panama, you know, and he had to go out of his way to say that, you know, he did this before he was prime minister. He had paid all UK taxes on it, blah, blah, blah. Argentina, they're at prosecutors. They're going after the president on the same thing because he has set up a series of companies or he's associated with a series of companies all of these, all of these leads coming out of the documents known as the Panama Papers. But Leon, obviously, my focus has to be on Vladimir Putin because he is also involved in this, uh, in this as well. He's get this, Leon. This is his childhood friend. Okay, yeah, uh, had set up these, set up these companies. Uh, it's sort of it's a web of companies because, you know what they you know, they're setting up one company that's then owned by another company that's then owns two other companies. And this is where they're hiding their money. And in this case, it's up to two billion dollars um, that one of Putin's childhood friends um, has has access to. Now, now, this childhood friend 
is uh, a cellist, Leanne. That's oh, what he does for his living. That's a good. I didn't know it was that lucrative. Well, being, this is being this a cellist, Leanne. Now he's described as a brilliant musician. A brilliant. So, ch- oh well, then. So, or you know, I don't know, Leanne, but that seems like a lot of money. Uh, and this childhood friend is also the godfather to Putin's daughter. So, mm. I mean, this man is very, very close to Putin. And Putin's official response to all of this is, there is nothing to see here. There is nothing to see here. Move along, move along. This is just an American plot, he said, of disinformation. It's infusing mistrust. It's in, it's intended to upset the stability of our government. There is nothing to see there. Now, now keep in mind, Putin is not like he came from any wealth. I mean, he started his career as a KGB officer in East Germany. So I'm sure he was, you know. His so that's co- not as lucrative as, say, being a cellist, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, apparently not as lucrative. And now Putin is, you know, by all accounts, the richest man in Russia. So, so Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, Leon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Richest man in Russia. But what, see, this is the problem for it must all. Must be quite of the, a pension the KGB has. Yes, that's yeah, this is it. But this is the problem that I guess the Prime Minister of Iceland and Argentina's president has found, and Putin is like when you have all that money that you're just getting from, uh, you know, whatever sources, I don't want to say corruption, but whatever sources, okay, you get to a point where you just cannot put it all under your mattress. <laughs> you can't, probably can't put it all in like, the bank, bank of Moscow. Right. No, you can't do that. So who do you go to? You know, where, where, where do you go? You go to Panama, Leon. You get one of your friends, one of your best friends, your BFF, right? You know, yeah. someone that you would you would trust with your child, okay? That is the godfather, right? That, you know, you're not going to just do this. And, and you just give him and he, like, takes his violin case and heads, <laughs> heads to Panama sets up these companies and is, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of pretends to be head of these companies. And all the while, he's he's holding about $2 billion for Putin. Unbelievable. That's it's a, unbelievable. It's a very good friend, I have to it's say. It's a very good friend. But again, Putin says there is nothing to see there and that, you know, this is, you know, that we should just move along. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't anticipate in Russia that, you know, there will be any prosecution or any of that. I mean, I do think that in other countries you will see more resignations because these are it's 11 million documents. It's a lot to go through. So I think there will probably be, you know, more unraveling as we go along. There'll be more, much more splaining going on and much <laughs> And much more embarrassment. But it's interesting, not that many Americans have been um, have been uh, implicated in the Panama Papers to date. And that's mainly because uh, the two lawyers that set up this uh, company and are doing all this um, the, all this work, they really didn't they didn't really like Americans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're American and you got a big. A big stash of money. You're going to have to go somewhere else. You're, you know, you're going to have to try to set up some shell companies in some other, maybe the Cayman Islands. You know, that's where I would suggest. So, all right, we'll keep us posted, Julie, because I'm sure names will be coming out. Yeah, it was kind of exciting there for a while. Colin kept running into the room, going, "The Prime Minister of Iceland just resigned." Lionel Messi. Yeah, he was into it. So yeah. excellent. Yeah. So there, I, I, and I suspect there will be more. So we'll we'll keep you posted on that. So. 
Well, Leanne, I think it's on a much uh, lighter note. Uh, I, a couple of um, entertainment stories that I wanted to bring to your attention. The first one, I'm just like incredibly cranky about. Uh, that's I, I, just, I just. That's where you excel, Julie. That's where you do your best work. Is that okay. edge of that edge of bitterness? Okay. All right. Well, and that is uh, Steven Soderbergh's new television show, The Girlfriend experience is coming out this, okay. uh, this week. I, I'm cranky about this too, so I'm glad oh, you, you mentioned are, Okay, it. well, I love Steve, Steve, Steven Soderbergh. I Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Out of Sight. He did Aaron Brockovich. He did Traffic. He did Contagion. He did Ocean's Eleven. He even did Magic Mike, which was kind of a mistake there. But um, but nonetheless, I I really, I've always liked the way he makes films and things like that. But here is what the girlfriend experience is about, Leanne. Okay, um, it's about and uh, it's about a. Uh, I'm not going to say a hooker with a heart of gold. Um, this is a hooker with a high LSAT score. That okay. is really that. This is a law student that is a prostitute. Yeah. Now, Leanne, I I went to the research. Um, I went to the research division of Satellite Sisters, and I looked up like recent escort stripper prostitute movies uh or tv shows do you know at least just in terms of movies in the last 10 years 15 years there have been 42 movies that have featured uh an escort or a stripper or a prostitute well that's all we do right that's all (laughs) women have no other interests or skills right so that's a tremendous amount. I mean, that's depressing. 42 movies. Yeah. Then you think about TV shows, Deadwood, Copper, True Blood, Game of Thrones, Justified, Mad Men, all have like feature prostitutes very, you know, very prominently in them. I mean, what new, gra- and, and the thing about Steven Stoderberg when he was interviewed about this is that he was really, he's hoping to, to cover new ground uh, with the issues of uh, prostitution. And bring it to us in a new way. I know. I, I, I agree, Julie. I don't understand the fascination with this. It's, it's I, because it's always salacious. It is never new ground because it's not a documentary. You're not really looking at their lives. And right, these are like law students slash prostitutes. Please, come on. That is not the real life of most women who are in, uh, who are in this line of work. It's not, it's not a choice for most women. It's not an extracurricular activity or how to make a few extra bucks. And it just makes me absolutely crazy. I know. I mean, he's quoted as saying, I want to make a show about a girl who ends up as an escort, who's not a victim, who's intelligent. That's the high LSAT score yeah. and has a lot going for her. Okay. I'm interested in telling that story that got my attention. I mean, really, <laughs> really brother, brother. Really? Okay. So, okay. Take it off the list. We're not watching that. We're We're not watching it. it, Okay. We are boycotting it. Okay. It's done. All right. So, but I want to end on a positive note, Leanne. Uh, I saw just Melissa McCarthy has a new movie out. Yes. The Boss. Yes. And I've seen some inklings like, you know, maybe some of these reviews are not so great or anything. I'm telling you, New York Times today, Manola Dargis. Okay. Right. The greatest. Now, now I consider the greatest a movie reviewer of all times. Okay. You know what she says about what she say? What she said? She said, this movie is funny without being much good. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That's enough for me. Lady. It is. It that is. is enough for me. Okay. It's a funny movie. Maybe it's not so great, 
But I think that is a big green light that we should all go and see this movie. Yes. And support it. And, so, you know, because Melissa McCarthy is just, she's, she's the greatest. Okay. She is, she is. She's killing it on the press tour. I mean, I posted a link to the Stephen Colbert thing bit she did. Oh my gosh, Julie, have you seen it? I did see it, Leanne. That, oh, I was just I was crying with howling. laughter. Was, <laughs> she they when they do a do satire of Chopped. I mean, just her comedic instincts are so dead on. This is an R-rated movie, The Boss. Though, just I know it features like Girl Scout type girls, but it's not a PG thirteen. It is an R-rated movie. But yeah, we're going. Colin and I next week. We decided my husband's out of town all week, so that means we'll go to the movies. Okay, so good. He's good. like, this is a great premise for a movie. I want to go see it. So all I'm, right. I'm so definitely going. It. I'm glad the to hear Manola is funny without yeah. being much good. So okay. I think, I think Manola Dargis is in the sisterhood. I think she just. She took all the credibility and all of the power of the New York Times and she made, you know, and gave it a big green light. Okay. That's all, that's all you need to see. Right. All right. Uh, well, Julie, we do have Outlander returning, uh, this weekend and, um, now speak, I just, I don't know how you feel about it because I know you were shocked and shocked at the end and of duped, season one duped. and I was shocked duped. and duped and I, then shocked yeah. again. So yeah. you declared that you would never watch it again. And you know what? We can't, I can't force you to watch it because there's, right. you know, when you try, when we do these recaps, if you, if you're not, heart's not into it, that you just can't fake it. As we learned with, um, whatever that other show was. Selfridges. Self, yeah. Mr. Oh, Selfridge. We just. Jeremy Piven. Our heart oh. wasn't in it. Because <laughs> you got to believe. And we did not believe. So, so are you going to give it a whirl? Just maybe watch. I, I, We'll see. I, I, I've got my DVR set okay. for, for, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going with an open mind, Leanne. Okay. Here it's going to be, okay. You know, I'm still like the time travel thing. I was never really big on that to begin with. I right. hear there's a lot of time travel. They're traveling it's, back. They're traveling a back. So that's. That, so I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll go into it. We'll, and we'll see how far we can go. Okay. But I reserve the right to withdraw at any point. Okay. I, and I respect that right. I respect okay, your right you. I, because I respect that right. Now, we, we're a week behind on Madam Secretary, but we're going to catch up next week. Just because, because I had so many actual uh, global issues Because you were playing the role of Blake. Or was it Nadine? I was Nadine. I was Nadine. I, I, I was Nadine this week. Yeah, I wish we had a Blake. I wish I had a Blake. But I was Nadine. So, um but next week we'll be back. We'll be back on that. But all right. So we're going to give it a whirl this weekend. Do you have any other plans for the weekend? Yeah. Well, Leanne, big, big, I am urban Nana going back oh. into action. Mm -hmm. I am heading to New York. Okay. And okay. I am going to embrace all the New York values and just go up there. <laughs> oh, you're uh, going to be in it to win it there in Brooklyn. In to win the, it. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you. I know how to use the subway in New York, Leanne. I got my Metro card. I am ready to go, but I'm looking forward to it because I think it's going to be good headline reading all week while I'm up there. Oh, and, yeah. And I'm sure we'll do an Urban Nana report uh, from Brooklyn uh, next week. Yeah, we're okay? going to get your schedule. Yes, yeah. I haven't gotten my assignment yeah. from from, you know, from Josephine's parents yet. I've got to find out the schedule before I commit. And uh, they can't make the schedule because they're too busy. So they're... <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> to make a schedule. I know. So I'm going with the flow. That's what I'm doing. Later. I know. I know. Right. Well, tomorrow I'm a keynote speaker at a women's conference in Orange County. Uh, so got to get my head around that. Looking forward okay. to that. And okay. then on Sunday, Liz and I will be at the LA Times Festival of Books. Uh, we're going to be at the Prospect Park booth and we'll be there at 11 o'clock on Sunday. So if you're in the LA area, if you're coming to the LA Times Festival of Books, if you couldn't get tickets to Carrie Brownstein, but you want to come see the Satellite Sisters, we're a hundred percent free. And then we're going to go see Anna Quinlan right after we oh, do our signing. Different. Anna Quinlan's going to be there. So we have tickets for that, for that event. So I just, I just ordered that book. You know, I mean, you can love just, her. No, yeah. No, it's going to be great. Yes. So. Yes. So that's, so that's the plan. And then, um, and then Monday I'm just going to, uh, collapse. I'm gonna... <laughs> okay. That sounds like a good plan too, Liam. <laughs> no. All right. All right, Julie. Uh, thanks for, you know, thanks for that dedication at the beginning of the show. Yeah. That gives us a lot to think about, a lot to think about. And, uh, and on that note, don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>